faithwire.com. Well, the left is going absolutely crazy after Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. But why? Today is Tuesday, April 26, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Hop on over there. Subscribe. We'd love to have you with us as we go through the news of the day from a Christian perspective. With me today, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell, also from CBN's Faithwire, with a quick look at what's coming up on the podcast today. What's going on, fellas? It's almost Friday. <laughs> Getting there. One step closer. Yeah. You know, I uh, th- this whole story about Twitter and Elon Musk. It's amazing. It's crazy. So I'm super excited to get into it because i just think it's the wildest <laughs> it is the wildest reaction story it is the, it really is the meltdown from the left <laughs> and the like the uproarious uproarious cheers from the right it's yeah like, it's uh, from a guy who's not even conservative uh but in this day and age it's you know everything yeah. looks crazy so yeah anyway we'll get into that um but i'm gonna be talking about uh, a woman who has decided to marry her cat i'll just leave what? it at that what? I don't make. I can't. Okay. Well, I'm going to be talking about the Reverend Franklin Graham weighing in on the Disney controversy, the controversy that never ends, Disney versus DeSantis. Uh, but Franklin Graham had a lot of thoughts and opinions about it, and so we'll break that down today. I'm I'm still not over the cat headline that you just said there, Trey. I mean that. Yeah, and I like <laughs> I mean, a real a real cliffhanger. I mean, I'm trying to, I don't know the story and I'm trying to work my way through that one. And do you want not, to know the story? I, Are you, well, I'm going to find out. I mean, whether, whether I want, want to or to not, or it's not. coming. So, all right. Yeah. Well, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that for, as for, <laughs> uh, for one. So we'll, we'll look forward to that in just a minute, but let's start here with the Twitter meltdown that's happening right now. And it's really interesting. We, we, it was breaking news when we talked about it yesterday on the podcast, but now we're seeing the reaction and it's really something to behold when really all we know about Elon Musk are a few things. One, he's a billionaire. Two, he's really a big believer in climate change and that we need to fight it, um, which is why he's doing electric cars and trying to go into space so that they can save the planet, et cetera, et cetera. We know that. And then the only thing he's indicated about running Twitter is that he wants more transparency and seems to be a believer in free speech and more free speech and having more speech is better. So that's, as you said, Trey, at the top there, he's not some crazy right wing conservative that, you know, the left would yeah. no, you know normally complain about. Like, that's not the case here. You'd think Elon Musk would be a hero to many on the left because he's a champion for one of their biggest causes is climate change and saving the planet. He, you'd think that would warrant him some goodwill among the left, but that has not happened. And in fact, it's been quite the opposite. He has taken on flaming arrows. And so I want to, I want to play a f- few clips from the reaction here to give you a sense of, as to what is going on. And we're going to try to, we're going to try to make sense of it all because it's, it's quite something else. So here is uh, an MSNBC host, their reaction to Elon Musk purchasing Twitter. Check it out. If you own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, 
or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. <laughs> that is exactly what conservatives have been complaining about and pointing out about Twitter for years now. And I'm not sure. It's almost like that was sarcasm. Maybe it was parody or something that it was a, like a deep fake. And he, they were just trying to, <laughs> to joke us all because all of those things happen conservatives have routinely been accidentally suppressed or uh, shut down, labeled misinformation. Um, talk about political candidates. Uh, I'm not sure if they've heard of someone named Donald Trump, who, regardless of what you think of him, he got banned off of Twitter. So um, there's that. that. That actually happened. He was worried about that. Uh, and also hiding things until after the election. Ask the New York Post about that. They were locked out of their account for posting the Hunter Biden laptop story until after the election, uh, unless they tried to, you know, they, unless they kissed the ring essentially and said that, you know, they were wrong. So yeah. uh, all of those things are happening. I, I'm not sure what planet this MSNBC host is living on, but clearly he's not, not been on Twitter because all of those things have been happening. So that was one reaction. Here's Trey's favorite View host Sonny Hostin uh, with with a reaction to the Elon Musk news. And in fact, on Twitter, it is predominantly straight white men. So when Elon Musk says, wow, this is about free speech, it seems to me that it's about free speech of straight white men. And so let them have it. Let them just go at it. I enjoy the block button on Twitter. Um, I think it has a real outsized influence in, in, in our world because politicians and celebrities are on it. Straight white men apparently is that's all Twitter is, which is an interesting, not sure how she knows that when a lot of accounts don't even really have a picture of the person on it. So you He's have no mission. idea. Also, He's on mission. You didn't know? Also, straight white men just happen to make up a large portion of the United States. So naturally, it would make sense that there are a lot of straight white men on Twitter as well. So that was uh, an interesting an interesting one, to say the least. And here's also, guys, another one from CNN, who are still reeling from the death of CNN+. Plus. Here's Brian Stelter talking about Elon Musk and what this means for uh, Twitter. Look, who knows? I, I think that's a... Uh, that's a that's a, an example of a broader question for Twitter, which is, if you, uh, if you get invited to something where there are no rules, where there is total freedom uh, for, for everybody, do you actually want to go to that party? Or are you going to decide to stay home? And that's a question for Twitter users. Some Twitter users might love the idea that there's going to be absolutely no moderation and no rules at all. Others might not want to be anywhere near that. Am I, am I crazy, Matt? No. Um, well... There's probably an answer to that question, Brian, but we'll just leave that one on the cutting room floor. Uh, but that is an interesting one as well. First of all, Stelter essentially admitting he's never been to a party before. But secondly, I don't know. Is anyone saying no moderation? I mean, that seems like a, a red herring there. Um, you know, straw man. No one, no one's saying that there should be no regulation whatsoever. Uh porn and everything else, I would think uh, that Elon is probably on board with some level of moderation. And uh, to suggest that more speech is something that people don't want. I, what if you liken that instead of a party to countries like, oh, 
are people really going to want to be in this country with all this freedom going on? Or are they going to want to stay in North Korea where everything is just nice and controlled? It's, it's a ridiculous comparison. And I'm not sure how he said it with a straight face, but he did. Um, there's a few more reactions here I wanted to get to. Sean King, who's a noted left-wing activist on Twitter, his account vanished and everyone thought he had deleted it. And uh, he had said initially, at its root, Elon Musk wanting to purchase Twitter is not about left versus right. It's about white power. So that was his view on it. And then his account, his account vanished and everyone thought he had just decided to leave Twitter. But then he's, he's back today. And I checked his timeline and there was about 4,000 tweets. So apparently he's going to be staying on Twitter. But now he's talking about this. He says to Ben Shapiro, I come in peace. Do you earnestly think that Twitter should now change its terms of service to allow hate speech against Jews? I just read that and struggle to believe you support such a change in terms. I mean, I don't think that's what I don't think that's what um, Elon Musk is hoping for. Like, hey, let's get more hate speech on Jews. But but I do think, guys, um, and, and we can talk about this. One more. One more. I'll get we'll, let, we'll dive into all the reaction here, but I want to get one more. Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren, she said, this deal is dangerous for our democracy. Billionaires like Elon Musk play a different set of rules than everyone else, accumulating power for their own gain. We need a wealth tax and strong rules to hold big tech accountable. Okay. All right. There's, there's Elizabeth Warren shilling for her big wealth tax. So why, why does it matter, guys, all these reactions? I mean, it's just really interesting to see people so afraid of free speech. And I think this is going to be the the main argument here, guys, is, well, you you just want all this hate speech. We can't have that. And um, again, I think I'm sure there'll be some level of moderation. But I think, and I think free speech advocates would say, more speech is better. You have to protect even the speech you don't like. And isn't it better to know your enemy, the people who oppose you, and know what they're saying and see it out there rather than just to hide it or delete it on Twitter. Deleting things on Twitter or not allowing somebody like an Iranian mullah, by the way, which I don't think their hate speech against Israel is censored today, as is. Uh, wouldn't you rather know what they're saying rather than just have it be hidden away? And is hiding it away really changing anything? Does that make the world better if you hide in some, some Iranian mullah or sheikh or leader and they're quest to wipe Israel off the map. If you delete that off Twitter, does that go away at all? Or do we just become ignorant about it? So I, I, the, the more speech argument is usually much stronger argument in my opinion. And um, of course there are some things that can be moderated out. There's always exceptions to the rule, but Twitter has just seemed has taken it so far. And I think that's why so many people are excited that Elon Musk is taking it over because they like Twitter and they want more speech on it, not less. Well, yeah, and I think what you're watching happen here is the internal struggle of a people group that has decided that free speech is something from the past and that they're the only ones able to say anything. So the panic yeah. to me is much more, how are we going to control this narrative? I don't even know that everybody realizes this is what it is. Some of the clips you played, that first reporter you know, from MSNBC, completely clueless, hasn't interacted with anybody <laughs> outside of Atlanta, New York City, or some yeah. other urban area, and probably has no idea that people have been banned, shadow banned, pushed out, whatever you want to call it, um, restricted from posting. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a much bigger issue here. 
And this is why language is so important, right? You know, being able to say, oh, well, you don't have a right to share an opinion on LGBTQ issues if it isn't my opinion. That's a very different thing than talking about wiping Israel off the map. But I think when you spend so much time conflating all of the things you don't like into one group, I mean, 99% of the population would be against most of the things that we're talking about that are more extreme being present on the platform. It's the other things, the more common sense things that were historical views that they want to make sure have no presence. Yeah, right. Like they they define things as hate. Like, oh, we don't want hate speech on there. Well, um, if I say something like marriage is between a man and a woman because God says so in Genesis, that could be deemed hate speech because it's anti-LGBTQ. So yeah, you go down a rabbit hole if you start, you know, skipping the obvious stuff and applying it in more gray areas uh, across across the board. Well, anybody who listened to that clip of Sonny Hostin can clearly, that that just gem of a clip can see why. (laughs) She's my absolute favorite host of The View. Um, So, but seriously, I think the thing that's so silly to me about this whole uh, uproar over Elon Musk getting Twitter is uh, that these same leftist people, progressive people, go back a month, maybe even less than a month, uh, when they were defending Twitter for blocking, banning, suspending, uh, pick any conservative person that they've that they've done this to, that Twitter's yeah. done this yeah, to. The Babylon Bee. But the defense always from the left is, well, this is a private company. They can do whatever mm-hmm. they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that Elon Musk is the owner of it, well, this is a personal affront, and it is my right to be on Twitter, and it's my right to have Twitter the way that I want it. Yeah. Um, so it's like, oh, okay, so this is no longer a private company that can you know, do their own Right, uh, now now all of a sudden the, private, the privatization is dangerous. Yeah. So <laughs> it it's was, just uh, night and day, and it literally happened overnight, the, the <laughs> switch in narrative. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just think, uh, I don't know, maybe that's just indicative of where we are as a culture. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, once you you know what your political affiliation is, then you just pick whatever the stereotypical side is and you go at it no matter how illogical it is. Yeah. Yeah, but I think they've been pretty – yes, you're you're correct, I think, overall. I think that they have been pretty consistent, the left, on these issues. I mean, we I just interviewed yeah, a professor who was given a $400,000 payout because he wouldn't use a pronoun. He actually won his case that they wanted him to use at this college where he was working. And because he wouldn't use it, they were going to punish him. You know, mandating speech from people, that's that's where the culture has moved. Right. And I think that, that makes this sort of idea that, oh, my goodness, people are free to speak their mind – terrifying to those who don't want people to be Mm. free to speak their mind. Yeah. Well, because I I think, honestly, a lot of conservatives are misunderstanding the cultural battle here because the cultural battle here is not preserving or not preserving free speech. The cultural battle is endorsing all of the sexuality stuff, all of the race stuff, all the woke stuff, and any method to get to that result from the left is okay. Um, so, so I think that's, but I think a lot of conservatives are still trying to fight on the method and it's, I think the left has moved past the method. They don't care what the method is. They just care about the end result. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a hundred percent right, but we'll see. We'll see how uh, Twitter, uh, shakes out here in the next uh, few weeks and months and we'll see if it improves or not, but, uh, there you go. Well, the story we've all been waiting for. Yes. Cat lady. Uh, about a woman who has married her cat. Okay, so Deborah Hodge is a 49-year-old mother from London 
she married her cat, whose name is India. Uh, it's a, a tuxedo cat. Uh, her reason, though, is so that landlords could not evict her for breaking the rules of the apartment complex, which says that no pets are allowed. It is now no longer her pet. It is her spouse. So you can't <laughs> evict my spouse from my apartment. Uh, so Hodge, according to the New York Post, was previously forced to rehome three other pets due to a zero tolerance regulations at other apartment complexes. So she just figured, let me circumvent the issue altogether. Uh, so Hodge she didn't, told... I, but can, I, can I just jump yeah, in? Go can ahead. I just jump in while it's fresh on my mind? Yeah. She... She, in order to circumvent this rule to live in this apartment, she married a cat. She didn't consider moving to a different apartment. Well, she's apparently had this issue at other apartment complexes. So moving I, to I one know, that maybe allows the area what she's, apartments don't allow pets. I mean, I don't know. She lives in London. Maybe, maybe it's different in that part of London where yeah. she is. I, they don't like pets there in London. It's yeah, kind of wild. I don't know. But so she told Southwest News Service, a, a, a wire news service there, uh, that the cat, a five-year-old female tuxedo cat, uh, actually has quite a, quite a heartbreaking story herself, the cat. Uh, she lost a leg during a 2020 accident. And, is, and she, the woman said that the cat is fundamentally the most important thing in my life after my children. She said, by marrying India, I need any future landlords to know that we come as a package and we cannot be separated under any circumstances as she is as important to me as the children. Uh, so she married her cat on April 19th at a public park. She said, I recited vows under the universe that did no man cat, will ever the... tear my, myself <laughs> and India apart. I refuse to be parted with her. I'd rather live on the streets than be without her. Uh, she actually, uh, Hodge said she, that she suffers or has suffered some severe anxiety just leaving her home and fearing that her landlord is going to come in and take her cat out uh, while she's gone. So she's hoping that the wedding has um, potentially curbed that that potential uh, that anxiety. Yeah, there yeah, that that threat. So she's lost two other huskies, and she's lost a cat uh, in the past uh, to at previous rentals. And she said, "Going through that absolutely broke my heart. Your pets become part of your family, and it was just absolutely devastating to have to say goodbye to them." What? Uh, uh, so okay. she also. I, I have questions. I'm, I'll, I'll well, wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. We I'm all. Sorry. I'm sorry. Let me. Let me just. I want to finish out with the, <laughs> okay, the religious. The religious aspect of this, because it's it, we're we're uh, CBN and yep, Faithwire, yep. there needs to be a faith angle here. Sure, sure. Uh, so she made clear that she does not have any sort of religious affiliation, so there was nothing <laughs> wrong with the wedding. She said, "I do not want to lose another beloved pet," and that was the reason that I did the wedding. She said, "I vowed in sickness and in health, in death do us part," and I meant it. I don't believe in organized religion. However, I do have faith. India always came back, even after losing a leg. I am her universe, and that is why I married her. So there we have it. Okay, questions. As I said, many, many questions arise from this. <laughs> Where to begin? One, did the cat also give vows on that beautiful wedding ceremony? <clears throat> cat, did the cat read <laughs> so anything I, or no? I'm, I, I'm guessing not. 
No, I had that question too. And I, I looked through the stories and like went down the, the black hole of, of finding where it originated. And unfortunately, there's no so, record that the cat meowed the, any vows. Yeah. So we're, we don't know for sure if the cat actually wants this marriage. There's no she way may not to have confirm consented. It. She may not have consented. And I've got new, look, I'm sure she loves her cat, right? She married it. So obviously <laughs> she does. But that cat, I can guarantee you, if you just plucked it into another home and they gave it three squares a day, it would love it there too. The cat does not care. I can tell you that right now. But <laughs> that's just me. Uh, the cat just wants to get fed, you know? And the poor thing lost a leg and now has to get married to someone against its will. I mean, this is... All right, I'm joking. These are the things that aren't really that disturbing. The whole thing is disturbing. I mean, what do you do with marrying a cat? Just If you really want your cat that bad... Move into a place that allows cats. I mean, this doesn't seem like rocket scientists, but I, I'm i yeah. sorry. Billy, I'm yeah, sure I mean, you still have questions. I, I don't even, I, first of all, I cannot with this story. No. Second of all, <laughs> the the other part of this that nobody has addressed is the wedding gown. That has, that has not been, if I'm not mistaken, Trey. Was there a picture? Wrong, I did not see the picture. The, the, wedding, the wedding gown, I'm assuming this is what was worn, is a white sleeved black dress with a bow tie. And I don't know how else to describe it. Some sort of rain boot slash combat boot. And normally I don't pay attention to clothes, but in this case, <laughs> it's hard I to felt it was I felt it was necessary. Yeah. She has a, a bouquet that she carried with her. There are people I don't, there or just other cats and dogs. I just see a woman and she's video of her talking about it, which I cannot bring myself to watch. I th this I mean, we've covered a lot of weird things. This one tops the cake, Trey. You you win. I, yeah. I've got nothing else well, to say. I, look, I, I would say this before we go on. I mean, we're joking about this because it's ridiculous. But I mean, I'm just going to, I'll be the first one to say I'm praying for this woman to that, that God opens her eyes because this is just, this is when man, you know, slash woman, meaning man, the human race, uh, just is completely lost. A completely yeah. and utterly lost that you're, happiness in life your comfort in life is surrounded is centered on a cat i mean that's just honestly it's i mean i'm joking about it but it is it is sad when you actually think about this person and what <laughs> has gone on in their life that they are trying to find their value and their identity in, with a cat i mean it's just well you know, I, I mean i so i i completely agree but i also one other just funny observation is the cat was born dressed for the occasion. It's a tuxedo cat. So, <laughs> yeah. Go. He didn't uh -huh. have you. There you go. <laughs> I, there you, you go. know, it's in, in, coincidentally, there was a photographer ready and prepared to take very professional looking photos. So, that's an interesting <laughs> element of the story, too. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll anyway. be praying for Cat Lady that she opens her eyes and realizes the folly of marrying a feline. So. Well, I don't know how to follow this one up, but I guess I guess that will lead us right into talking about Disney, somehow oddly appropriate in Storyville. Um, all right, so evangelist the Reverend Franklin Graham is weighing in on the continued controversy between Walt Disney Company and you know Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. We've talked about this about a trillion times on the show uh, because it's a big story and it's an interesting story. Uh, but Franklin Graham posted on Saturday that he believes that there are corporations that are trying to 
force their agenda on the public by using, uh, I'm sorry, people rather, using corporations to force their agenda on the public. Uh, now, he believes that Disney has gone too far with all the things that have gone on, obviously surrounding the Parental Rights and Education Act in Florida, which Disney has opposed. And Graham, really in this post, it's not a very long post, but he says a whole lot of things, not only about Disney, but about DeSantis and about the broader issues at play. He said that uh, he wanted to thank DeSantis for pushing back against what is seen as indoctrination in our public schools. And he lamented Disney's current culture. He said, quote, LGBTQ activists are using corporations to force their agenda on the public and companies may want to take another look at what they are allowing to happen. And then he said Disney has gone too far. He said that the people of Disney have revolted and that it's going to cost Disney big time. And of course, we're still sort of monitoring this to see how is this going to impact Disney? We know there have been some big changes that have happened. It's really an interesting scenario because usually these battles unfold and a company sort of backs away. You know, if Disney comes out and says, okay, we're going to we're going to go against this piece of legislation. If people react negatively, it sort of ends. But in this case, it's only sort of exacerbated. The problem's gotten bigger. And having, you know, Franklin Graham weigh in, he's sort of the the figurehead when it comes to, you know, I think, a lot of conservative Christians and the way that they're looking at culture. And so it's an interesting deep dive. And of course, nothing nothing he says is especially shocking for anybody who knows him. These are issues that he cares a lot about and speaks a lot about. But one of the interesting pieces was that you know, he said the recent development in this Disney DeSantis debacle, uh, the revocation by Florida lawmakers of the special tax status, which we've talked about, um, Disney's special tax status, that this was a direct result, obviously, of what Graham saw as Disney going against the parents of Florida. And we've covered this pretty in depth, this back and forth, but this has to do with the Reedy Creek Improvement District. This is a private government that Disney was running, right? Um, and since 1967 had had control over this area where the parks are there in Florida. And that has now been obviously rescinded by DeSantis as part of this back and forth over the so-called don't say gay bill, the parental rights bill. Um, and as we've said, the word gay is nowhere in the bill. And this has been really the the heat of this debate back and forth. And Graham has you know, waded into that. But one of the things he said, and I thought it was the most important, he talked about Walt Disney having this vision for wholesome family entertainment and being committed to families. And then he went on to say, quote, the morals of the corporate leadership of Disney today are in the gutter and they want to redefine family counter to God's original design and flaunt sin. He then went on to say he wishes there were more politicians like DeSantis uh, and he praised him for taking a bold stand and again said America needs more leaders like him. Now, I don't know. I mean, why does it matter? It matters because it's another well-known person sort of digging in on this Disney thing, but he actually sort of concluded his post by encouraging parents to to do other things in Florida. And so this is, again, it, it's part of this sort of pushback on Disney. I think it's going to take months before we see the impact of people like Graham and others. You know, we've got a, a protest that's going to be coming up um, on May 16th as well that we've covered that's going to be happening. So I think there's, there's still a lot to be said and a lot to happen and Disney's not going anywhere. They're not going to go out of business. But but how big of a dent will this make? That's sort of the why it matters that we don't quite know the answer to yet. It's one of those stories that uh, it's frustrating that it's gotten politicized um, because it just seems like the real heart of the issue and what's really at the center of this and what's really disturbing is going to get lost in all the politics. And mm -hmm. it just seems like Ron DeSantis, the minute you mention his name at this point, it's 
it's unhinged. It's either you know Ron DeSantis derangement syndrome of some extent, uh, and then others just defend at all costs, and you kind of skip over the issue, which in, in a lot of cases is these crazy teacher videos we're seeing. To be honest, where you've got them wanting to push sexuality on kids in form of gender identity and other issues, and uh, you know it's something that you know hopefully we can look past the politics and start to address this seriously. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think just specifically to what's going on in Florida right now, I think this Reedy Creek stuff is is fascinating. And you did a good job explaining some of it in your uh, in your piece, Billy, because it'll be interesting to see what happens because, you know, it's possible, Disney hasn't said anything yet, but it's possible that they could legally challenge uh, this. It's not set to go into effect until June 1st of 2023, uh, the, the dis- dissolution of the Reedy Creek Improvement District government, but it'll be fascinating to see what happens. Like if if Disney were to challenge it, what would that look like uh, legally? Because it's been there, like you said, for decades and decades. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's fascinating to to see what's unfolding. Um, but I think so much of it, like you said, Dan, is just wrapped up entirely in politics. Yeah. And I, you know, I think people are are kind of seeing DeSantis as kind of already running for president in 2024. Um, So, you know, every, the media attention is drummed up even more than it would be. Uh, And then the fact that he's such a popular conservative mean that he's, you know, he walks around with a target on his back all the time, unfortunately. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see what happens. But like you said, I hope the, the real issue, the real moral issues uh, is what ultimately bubbles up to, to people's consciousness. And that prevails because as Krishna, that's what actually matters in all of this. Yep. Can I make one other quick point here? Sure. You know, when Hobby Lobby fought, it's just so funny, you know, corporations, people, and suddenly you do see some <laughs> arguments like Disney's First Amendment rights were violated. And I'm not taking a position on that outside of saying, well, which is it? Are yeah. corporations people or are right. they not? Is yeah. only Disney a person? <laughs> no, and I think we know the answer to that question. Uh, people just don't want to be consistent. And, and I would encourage everyone out there before you react um, emotionally to the tribal in that we all have, like kind of defending the side we align most with. And just think about, am I being consistent first? Is this consistent with my principles and values? So many people are not. You'll be, uh, I don't know, so much stronger in your logic and your uh, positions if you can actually we'll stop this nonsense, the pettiness, if we stop the tribe defending at all costs. I mean, that, I really think that's a huge problem. And it causes politicians to be more ridiculous because they know, oh, well, my tribe's going to back me up. I don't care if I if yep. I if I know I'm a little off on this because they'll all defend me no matter what. Well, that shouldn't be the case. You should know that. Oh, if I kind of flip flop on this, these people of principle are going to call me out, even though they generally support me. So, I mean, that would be if you want a solution to society, guys, and all this divisiveness, it would be to be consistent to your values and your principles and hold people accountable when you thought they were on board with you, and then they go the other way. You know, and I think you'll see maybe some people start to change their tune a little bit if more and more do that. So, well, yeah, I mean, we should have we should have an allegiance to principles, yeah. and obviously to Christ and yep. not to people. 100 percent. 100 percent. All right. That is all the time we have for this episode of the podcast today. As always, head on over CBNnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And uh, we'll be back here tomorrow. Lord willing. And the creek don't rise. God bless.